You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Navy Corpsman Max Roan was serving in Iraq as part of a U.S. Marine Corps convoy and was injured when his Humvee was hit by a rocket-propelled grenade. He suffered injuries to his arm, legs, along with a traumatic brain injury. Max was sent to Walter Reed Medical Center and over four years underwent 15 operations on his right leg. Doctors were eventually forced to amputate the limb below the knee. The Purple Heart recipient is an accomplished adaptive athlete and has won numerous medals at the Invictus Games, including gold medals in the discus and shot put. He has also been a member of the U.S. Paralympic Track and Field National Team and is aiming to compete in Paris in 2024. Max is an avid snowboarder and studied bioengineering at Penn State. Let's catch up with him. All right, Max. So I typically start uh, a conversation with fellow fellow veterans uh, with the question, why? What was... What was your why? Why did you join? My why was not the stereotypical answer that I wanted to serve my country. I uh, I knew I wanted to do medical, and I was told by one of my instructors at EMT school, if you really want to learn medicine, go join the military. Hmm. So then that's what I did, <laughs> and uh, I first joined the army, and. Uh, because they were going to give medics $30,000. My mom said no. And then we got out of that one. And then the next day I told her I was joining the Navy and she was fine with that, but she didn't know I was going to be a corpsman <laughs> <laughs> with the Marines. So then uh, I got that one pastor. So if she thought you were on a ship or on a, a sub or something like that, yeah. no, no, no worries, huh? <laughs> yeah. And so did you go in right after high school? So I did one year at EMT school. I really didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I went in at 19. Okay. Yeah. And and you, and you um, so did you do your research about the Navy? I mean, was that a Absolutely good, was that a good option yeah. for you? I mean, like. <laughs> Everybody always says that they read the pamphlets. Mm -hmm. There's no way. <laughs> uh, I know because I did recruiting duty for a little bit. Oh. And then uh, they told me that I can't recruit because I was missing a leg for the same reason that I joined the Navy. I was scaring off all the recruits. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they thought it was a safe bet joining the Navy uh -huh. and that I was the reminder that we're actually fighting a war right now. Yeah. So. Wow. I didn't know that that was part of a recruiting. Uh, it's, you know, we don't want any, any folks. With, uh, it's technical. Yeah. <laughs> it, missing. it might discourage uh, sign-ups. Yeah. And so uh, take us through like, where did you do your, your initial training and yeah. kind of some of your duty stations? Yeah. So my, uh, my military career was awesome. And uh, started in Great Lakes at boot camp. Then from there, I went to A school, which is just right across the street from boot camp. Huh. Then you go down to field med. And I went down to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Home of the Corps. And mm -hmm. uh, went to field med and tried to go into the job that I signed up for. And then they attached me to medical battalion. 
Okay. <laughs> so medical battalion does a very good job. It's just not what I wanted to do. And uh, so I volunteered for a deployment because in field med, I knew I wanted to stay in forever. Uh-huh. I loved it. And I wanted to go to a reconnaissance, just like every other 19-year-old kid. <laughs> and my chief said, go do a deployment. Make sure it's something you really want. Good advice. Hopefully. That's what I, that's what I did. Uh-huh, yeah. uh, I was at Med Battalion for about three months. So they forgot my name very quick. And was attached to a police transition team mm-hmm. out of 2nd Marine Corps header, or Marine Corps Headquarters Group. And... Uh, we did our buildup for about nine months, and then we deployed Iraq in January. January? In 09. Nine, okay, yeah. So I was the corpsman. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm there to make sure that everyone goes home. Everybody else is the real warfighter, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, I knew my role in that job. I knew I was not a Marine. Uh, thankfully, they like to claim me as one of them. But uh, we, our original goal was a training mission. We were done with kinetic operations in Iraq in 09. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we were trying to train up the local population, like we've been doing for years. Right. Yes. And uh, our police station was fine until we uh, took the generator back and we took the one that was working. So we left them one that was broken. And uh, we almost got into a gunfight then. Hmm. And then uh, about two weeks later, that's when I got hit. Uh, I got hit in Fallujah. I I got hit riding in the third vehicle, and I was in the front seat. And last thing I remember was I was looking to my right, and I see this big pink building. And I just thought that was really out of place because it's Fallujah, Iraq. Mm -hmm. And then I turned to my gunner, and that's when I got hit. Knocked me unconscious. Um, when I regained, one of my uh, corporals came up, rendered first aid. We broke the first tourniquet, uh, applied the second one. second one stuck. And then, thankfully, my team got me out of there. Hmm. So was the pink building just a... So it's a, it's a government building. Temporary structure, <laughs> yeah, okay. And if anyone's ever been to Fallujah, it's right on Route Michigan, and you can't miss it because it's got gated fences and mm-hmm. fountains and it's like it's pretty nice <laughs> and everything else around you has mark 19 rounds and 50 cal rounds through it so yeah. and so uh how was recovery and and were you know how long were you were you focused on recovery i uh i had a rough go and i know everyone says that um so i was at the hospital for four years and i was limb salvage for two and a half of it so I actually did get better at a certain time until my 10th surgery and uh, my leg got infected. And then uh, they found a medical clamp that they left in my leg oh, geez. from the, the big surgery uh-huh. at Walter Reed. So what happened is a bunch of HO grew around it and to chip it out, yeah. removed all the hardware, and then uh, they left me like that for another year and a half. Mm. So I was trying to get it together and it's just really hard to find. Um, it's really hard to find your footing when the ground's falling up 
from underneath you. So I just couldn't find anything to moor myself against until I found sports. Mm. Went to the Warrior Games. Um, Will Wilson is a guy that changed my life. Mm -hmm. He said that uh, I should amputate my leg. So you went you went to Warrior Games with Lim at that point? I did. Okay. So, and and so was, that conversation with Will is what? So Will went through a similar thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had a, an accident on a ship and ended up losing his leg. But he said once he lost it, once he took it off, mm -hmm. his life began. And uh, that's exactly what happened. So <laughs> I went to the Warrior Games. And I was on a lot of drugs. So, like, mm -hmm. if anyone's ever seen a picture of me like that, I'm about 175 pounds at that time. <laughs> and uh, I'm just falling apart. Mm -hmm. I was playing a wheelchair basketball game against the Marines. They're very good. Uh, they rolled me over. I hit my leg. And that was my breaking point. So, from then, I went straight from Colorado Springs into the doctor's office. And I was like... You're taking off my Take leg. Take it off. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, how did you even learn about Warrior Games? And um, you said you played with wheelchair basketball. Had you played before that? Or, or, like, was there, how did you prep for Warrior Games, I should say? So, I always tell everyone first and foremost, I was a terrible athlete in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I got injured. And thankfully, uh, because of my coaches, I'm somewhat decent now. But uh, yeah, I'd say <laughs> it's uh, I started doing warrior games because of Will. Uh -huh. He came in there, recruited a team. They put a team together. That first year is when my leg got infected. Uh -huh. So I did, I was supposed to be on the team. Didn't get to go out. Second year went out, got rolled over, cut off my leg. The third year I got to come back. Uh, got a running prosthetic six weeks before that and i still lost all those races by the way <laughs> <laughs> did well in throwing uh-huh so then that stuck i tried to swim uh swimming didn't work so i uh, i got recruited into the paralympics from terry jordan and then uh she introduced me to kathy sellers yeah. who was the head coach there of course and erica wheeler yeah. Who is my coach now. So then. Uh, also, Eric is your current coach. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. She's awesome. Um, so then Terry kind of pulled me out and put me in 2012 track and field trials. Mm -hmm. I go out there. I'm riding the warrior games high. And you're like, all right, well, I'm pretty good at sports now. I hope <laughs> you know that. <laughs> and then I was. Facing Jeremy Campbell, who is, <laughs> he's the greatest discus thrower in American history. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to Jeremy, too. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't get enough credit for what he's done to advance the sport. I mean, he was the first guy to throw over 60 meters in a Paralympic Games. So anyways, my introduction to Jeremy was I threw about 30 meters that day, and I took bronze because there was three athletes. Not, oh, <laughs> not bad for your first go-around, but okay. And then Jeremy crushed it. And broke a world record at the trials. Went on to London, crushed that. Yeah. And he's just, he's what I want to be as a discus thrower because he's just been winning for 
two decades now. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that takes us to 2012. Uh, how about, you know, subsequent years? How, how has uh, training continued for you? So then they pulled me out of there and I actually made a world championship team throwing shot put. Uh, I didn't really have any business being on that team, but thankfully Kathy put me on the team. And then I got to meet um, Bill Godina. I don't know if you know him. I don't know Bill. So he's a legend in the sport. His son is probably the greatest American thrower to ever live. And uh, so I got introduced into like that real, these guys know what they're doing. They have produced and gotten medals at the highest level. They know exactly what they're doing. And I got 12 out of 13. <laughs> An improvement, right? Yeah. Technically. So I went from there and then I went and classed up to Penn State. I started the ability athletics program with Terry Jordan. And it was great for five years. Um, during that time, made the Invictus Games team. Won four gold medals there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've just been sticking with it. I've missed team selection for the past couple of years because it's just really hard to get on the team. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's only so many spots. Right. So if you're not on Particularly it. Particularly in track. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not on it, then somebody's going to beat you. Yeah. So Yeah. And so how did you uh, – and let me ask, are you still – I know because I'm going to talk about, you know, snow, snow sports next, but yeah. uh, are you still actively pursuing Absolutely. the summer side as well? So, oh, yeah. We're geared in. Okay. Um, World Championships will be in June. Yeah. I'll be on the team this year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm a meter away right now. Okay. And uh, we'll get it dialed in. Yeah. One meter is not too bad. Yeah. And so so Paris is in your is, – is, is a hopeful – That's where we're going, hopefully. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, that's the summer side, and and then you know, I know that you're you're a two season, uh, you know, multi season athlete. So, how did you get introduced to snow sports? I got introduced because of Harvey. Yeah. So Harvey saved my life in the hospital. He uh, brought me out to ski spec. Uh -huh. I didn't take it seriously, and then I was still recovering as a person. So what that means is like I'm dealing with all of my mental stuff. Plus the combat stuff, plus being mm -hmm. disabled. And then I took an extracurricular activity with substance abuse. So when you're drinking too much as a new patient, you just can't think clearly. Mm -hmm. But thankfully, he brought me out here to get me out of that. So then at Ski Spec, like, this is the best event I've ever been to. <laughs> uh, it's an awesome event. I'm yeah, biased, but it's, it's an awesome event. It's pretty great. <laughs> and... So I got to meet Keith Gable. Yeah. And then uh, I saw what someone who is an athlete looks like. The prosthetic is an afterthought. Keith Gable is just a snowboarder. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need the other stuff. Uh -huh. So then when you see at a high level like that, you're like, well, what do I got to do to get there? And then you start the hard work. I wasn't ready for it then. And uh, it took me a couple more years to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, obviously you've been a part of uh, race camp at, at this year's ski spec. And what's, what's, how's your progress in, in that sport? So like, thankfully you guys invited me back last year <laughs> and you kicked my butt and uh, I did okay. Um, I had a clean run, two clean runs, but they're very safe. <laughs> 
I really didn't know what I was doing. So this year it was like, I know exactly what the format is. I know when to save my energy. I know when race day is. Mm -hmm. That was all lined up. The execution was still poor, but (laughs) 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 we're getting there. Uh So like this year I, uh, I hit my first run. It was a nice, safe run. I made a mistake. I didn't do my inspection runs. So then my first run, I was playing catch up. Did okay. Clean run. Second one, I was like, all right, just push it just a little bit. And then I'm like, all right, picking my spot on the first like seven gates. And I said to myself, all right, let's hit it. And as soon as I did that, I fell. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you think is the, I mean, what, what is the thing that you need to continue to work on on, oh, that's on the snow easy. sports side? Yeah. So for snow sports, it's, uh, it's very similar to throwing. It's reps. Mm-hmm. There's no other way around it. You need to be on the snow as much as possible. There's only so much people can tell you. You got to go figure it out yourself. Yeah. So just reps and not being on the mountain, sitting in the snow. Like you need to be hot lapping 10 runs before lunch, take a break, and then go off of that. Because that's what those guys are doing. Yeah. I'm not at that level yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I maybe do six. <laughs> well, six is still better than, yeah. you know, a couple. But, uh, and do you find it challenging to be kind of a, a dual season, uh, you know, elite athlete? Or do you think that's actually complements each other? I think you have to have a single mind focus. My focus is on discus. So this is all just fun. Mm. If it turns into something great. But like, and that was the advice that I got. You need to have fun doing this. And if you're not having fun, stop racing. Okay. And just go snowboard. Yeah. If it becomes, yeah, a task, you don't want to, yeah, it's still fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So at least your, your energy and your focus is on, on being a summer Paralympian and, and having fun snowboarding. And if it, it doesn't hurt being in shape and then going to the mountain. Yeah. So like you could see everybody else who's not doing stuff every day they get a snowboard for a week and they make it to the end of the week and they can't make it out of the building yeah. right yeah that was me last year <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's why i asked that question because you know sometimes obviously you know it's a good cross-training opportunity yeah. and and since you're uh you know to, to keep fit and get out, out on the mountain and the so winter I, time helps i do got one thing on that that does need to be like cleared up because i did hear it a little bit at ski spec you should not be doing CrossFit, right, or other sports to improve your sport. Oh, okay. You need to be very specific with your training because snowboarding develops different muscles than throwing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's so then point. when you're on a high level, specifically just Paralympic level, cross-training is not a thing. You can incorporate more sport-specific stuff, uh-huh. but, like, you're wasting your time and your energy. There's only so many hours you could train a day. Right. Right. But that's my own personal feeling on it. uh Um, I know when I try to do too many things, everything is moving too fast. So you got to shrink it back down. So Max, you mentioned that, you know, you were okay when you were younger, like as in in sports, what other, what sports did you play pre signing up for the military? Thankfully, my mom let me do everything. So I played like soccer. Uh-huh. When I was little, then I found out there was football. Mm-hmm. 
And then I was no good at that. <laughs> so then I did do snowboarding. Okay. Um, I learned so when I was in, like 15. You at least were familiar with snowboarding before, uh, yeah. before your petition. Uh, I heard it yesterday. You know, I learned the normal way, which is your buddies take you up, leave you at the top and say, find your way down. <laughs> yeah, see, you down see, see you at the bottom. And that's normal. Uh -huh. That's everybody's normal. Um, then I came to race camp when people actually know what they're doing. And I had to start over. Okay. It didn't matter that I was learning how to do it adaptive. It was just, I didn't know how to do it correctly in the first place. So then kept uh -huh. just, <laughs> he put me through the ringer the first year and, uh, I'm thankful for it because it helps. So you need to learn how to properly snowboard to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so what has sport, you know, meant to you, um, you know, obviously the, the fact that you're involved in two, two big sports, uh, you know, in terms of trying to compete at the high level. Yeah. It's, it's hard to keep sports in perspective, right? Cause I did come from a real job where mm -hmm. it's a life and death thing. This is all celebration. So like sports are just, they're just fun. Mm -hmm. If you're taking them too serious, like that's probably not the thing for you. Uh, in my training this month, all I've been focused on is uh, mastery of your skill. Mm -hmm. If you're really good at something, it doesn't look like you're trying. It looks like you're just having fun. Yeah. So if you're watching yourself on camera and it looks like you're trying. <laughs> or struggling. Or, <laughs> or yeah. struggling. Uh -huh. It's because you are. Yeah. Relax. And that's probably true with just about anything, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. If it, if it looks like it's coming naturally, then... Then yeah, you're you're not struggling hopefully, right. and you're, you're you're in your element, and you're in, you're having a good time. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so what's um, uh, just kind of what's coming up for you in terms of are you obviously we're in the winter season now, yep. so are you looking at some winter competitions or or and I, I assume you're already um, classified in snowboarding. I am not. Oh, you're not. Okay. Uh, classification is uh, very expensive. Yeah. That will come when I get time to be more serious about this. Okay. For the time being, for the next two years, I'm just going to be riding as much as I can. Yep. And then if I decide to take a run at Spain, uh -huh. uh, that'll be a conversation. Okay. But I do have to beat Keith. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that's possible. Uh -huh. but he's giving it one we'll more try. run at least, right? Yeah, I know. of course he is. I know he's giving it a run for, for 26. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you got to get to 24 first and then you'll one step at a time. Yeah. And then you'll think about 26. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what you got to do. Yeah. And, uh, so is there any other, uh, winter things that you're doing then? I guess I should ask in a different way. <laughs> so I'll be coming up every Wednesday, mm -hmm. probably to Breck or Keystone. Okay. Uh, thankfully you guys got me an Epic pass yeah. and I'm going to put it to good use. <laughs> And, and do, uh, you, do you go out just on your own or do you go out like with BOEC or? I've never gone out on my own as an amputee. Okay. All so right. it'll be uh, a learning experience. And actually, so this is kind of exciting because I met Chris and a couple other guys that were in race camp uh -huh. who are on the civilian side. They live in Colorado. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, you know, we want to build like our own organization. And I was like, why don't we just build Movie Night at Colorado Yeah. and just go that route? So then we could start oh. that. And uh, so my idea for like the next couple of months with you guys is I'm just going to be doing my thing. But when I can help with just being a participant to bring other people uh -huh. into activities, 
I think that's how it starts, right? I don't need to show up and act like I'm a professional. <laughs> I need to be a participant. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of how ski spec starts, right? Uh -huh. You show up, you figure it out, and then you're like, all right, maybe I can test a little bit. <laughs> then you meet the instructor and you're like, well, maybe not today. <laughs> so you've at least got Breckenridge uh, and Keystone on your on your radar for this winter then? Yeah, I'll be coming up on my rest day. So I train six days a week. Uh -huh. But uh, Wednesday will turn instead of like a circuit, like a recovery circuit, uh -huh. this will turn into that. Okay. So um, then for maybe those that aren't familiar with, obviously – summer athletes and, and what they do during the winter. What, what you just mentioned, you do six days of training. What does your training look like? So my training is all day and that's the shift. So you either are a professional athlete with no job and just train or you're doing something else. So I wake up, I eat breakfast at uh, six 30 every morning and then uh, start rolling out, start stretching and then I normally write and read for about an hour, um, eat my second meal after that. And I just kind of like putts around until I go to the gym or excuse me. So then I go to discus practice, depending on where I am in the year. Uh, it could be hour and a half to three hours, depending on. And, uh, and then we just go take a break now, then go and lift straight after. And then in between that, so there's a post throw workout. Then you break for lunch. Then you go lift weights. And then for the past two months, I'll come home after the gym and then I'll stretch and go until I go to sleep. So that's normally about three hours. Mm -hmm. So I stretch for about three hours a day. Yeah. And that's what I'm glad you mentioned that because I know I've talked to others that folks don't realize, you know, when you are pursuing, you know, competition at the elite level, you know, that, that, that is your job. That is a full-time day in and day out activity. And, and people don't realize that. <laughs> and you can only train so hard for so long. And so you can't do three hour practices. It's not like you're trying to squeeze every ounce of performance out of it. And if you're slightly tired, your, your practices are too long. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you need to get in, warm up, compete and then get out and start recovering. Yeah. Uh, so, and then like, when does your season officially start? Which do you have, I assume you might probably already have a, a date circled. On yeah, your calendar. yeah. We normally do uh, Pomona Pitzer uh, when I was limited at the training center. And even uh, when I was not there, we would just go up as a team, mm -hmm. do that track meet. I don't know if they're going to do that this year. Um, I'm probably going to open up somewhere in Colorado. And then uh, I don't know if you know David Blair. The name sounds familiar. He's a gold medalist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's been gracious enough to talk to me still. And he wants me to come out to Utah and okay. train with him for like a week. I also got friends in Arizona. So Ryan Whiting was with me at Penn State. Ah. <laughs> and uh, so he trained me for two years as like my intern. Yeah. If you want to call it that he got paid, but anyways, <laughs> so he started his own thing and then he just got hired at Arizona state university. Oh, So he's a throws coach there. He's national championship and like mm -hmm. world champion. He's training my old training partner, Brian Williams. 
So like I got this nice little group <laughs> got a, of like a little circle. discus throwers. Yeah. Okay. There's another major group in Pennsylvania. They're Garage Strength. They're very very good at the, what they do. And uh, so I met Dane, the guy who ran it. He was a Penn State thrower. So like we got. I'm in a little cult at yeah, Penn State. A little, <laughs> little fraternity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you have? Um, did you have you participated in any of like the, some of the sanctioned competitions? I sure have. Like I think I yep. remember you being on the you know the roster like at the did you do that Desert Challenge? Sure did. I thought so. Yeah. So we'll so be out have, at Desert. You think you'll be you'll year. be back out there? Okay. You think? There's the rumor that I heard that they're going to have the nationals at Desert because uh, World Championships is in June. Mm. It's a very weird time. Normally, mm-hmm. it's in like August or September. Yeah, it's very soon this year or next year, and then you have Pan American Games in November. Yeah, okay. So you have to peak out and then go train again, and then peak out in November again, and that doesn't stop there because after that, it's Tokyo and then it's France. So like yeah. from here until the games, you got to be locked in. Yeah, if you're summer. Yeah, and it's not that far away. It's right. It's tomorrow. People might think. People <laughs> might think 2024 is. A long time, yeah. You know, a long time away, but it's not that far away, right? Yeah. And so, besides sport, what are some of the other things that you kind of like really want to focus on, and what what do you center your your kind of your soul or your life around? So, just graduated last year, and uh, just kind of figuring it out. So, my big thing right now is I'm trying to force myself to do social media. <laughs> But I'm not doing social media how everybody else does it, which is that I actually want to put up my practice, not for someone to look at like the things as a look at me braggadocious. This content needs to be out there for the next generation, because when I looked for it, when I was coming up, I didn't see anything but the main competition. So like you could see the Paralympic Games. Right. That's fine. But, like, how did you get to the games? Mm. So I think our next step is going to be having these long-form videos on social media. Mm. Everybody else is going the opposite direction with TikTok. So Mm -hmm. disabled sports is so hard. It's so technical. And you need to know all these little things. And there's no other way around it other than doing it. But it also helps to have people to tell you what they've learned. So, like, my coach, Erica... She's taught me pretty much everything I know. And uh, hopefully that's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) So then, uh, but I just learned from other athletes, from other coaches, and you just pick it up along the way. You need to see that stuff online because it's very hard to find. If you don't know the name of the person who's a disabled athlete, it's very hard to find because we're not highlighted. Well, we need to ignore all that. Everyone needs to just start putting up their own content. So if it's a professional athlete in the Paralympics, you need to put up your practices every day. This also helps as an athlete because as I'm getting ready for the next day, I'm watching the video of my old practice. Right. So it's a two, like it hits both where now when I want to have film study, I don't have to think about filming my practice first. And like, hopefully I have it that day. It's just already going to be filled. Yeah. If it was a good day, I get it. (laughs) 
If not, you're going to see that too. And just know that every single Paralympic athlete started somewhere and they struggle today. Every single day, you got to like figure out how to do it all again. And especially as an amputee, like you pretty much have to teach yourself how to walk every day. And then somebody will throw a curveball at you like, hey, did you flex your hip? And then you'll be like, oh, well, now I got to relearn that. <laughs> and it just never stops. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So my uh, that's my next goal is I'm just going to put more content out there. I don't care if it gets me anywhere. And then uh, just keep competing, man. I think the most important thing for us to do is just to do it and not talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of talk going on. You'll get the message if you just watch or if you compete. I don't need to tell you. You'll get it. Yeah. There's a time for talk, but then there's a time for just shut up and yep and show. <laughs> well, is there anything that I've asked, that that I haven't asked you, or is there anything you just want to want to share that's not that's um, you know that's you know that's a, that you want to share, with folks? Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I was filming this week. Got a lot of great content and. Uh, the best parts are always like the giveaways. So like someone started this path, but mm-hmm. then you're going to hit a roadblock because you can't afford the gear. Mm-hmm. And then thankfully you have somebody like, Hey, I'll help you out. What do you need to get to that next step? And, uh, thankfully gave, uh, he gave them all out. Yeah. And it was an awesome ceremony. That's the true spirit of ski spec, which is like, you need to go see it for yourself. And then the next year you need to help out the next guy. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, Max. Of course. <laughs>